Hello. Hmm. Oh, jeez. You sneak these in at the last minute. I don't see them till we're on the air. Ugh. The way it is, life comes at you. Yeah. Pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I save it for the show. Say what for what show? Okay. We'll leave it all in the field. So you had mm-hmm. a busy day today. Did I? Yeah. How's that? Well, mm-hmm. uh, I had to uh, record my back to work program uh, with mm-hmm. Dan. I was down on the show floor, right. and uh, yeah, and then uh, looked at uh, looked at the internet. Mm-hmm. Then you watched the Apple event. I, I thought that did. was actually the other way around, but you did you did the podcast first, right? Did the podcast and then watch the Apple event? Yeah, we do this shameful thing sometimes where we both reluctantly admit that we would like to. Uh, ordinarily, uh, we'll move up the time a little bit so that we can watch the uh, keynote. You know, mm-hmm. it's Nerd Christmas. It's it's uh, it's a thing we both like to watch. Right. So that's what you did this time. Mm-hmm. But and mm-hmm. I threw this in as a, a last minute thing here because it. Well, I threw it in for two reasons. One, you're going to help me out with this, and well, you probably won't help me, but we'll see. Well, um, I was trying to remember the expression that the strangely worded expression for when a person is having emotions about something. You get the feels? No, it's not that one, mm. right? There are lots of different ways that we say it these is it days. A, is it a mood, John? No, it's not that one either. So the way I put it in the notes was the best I could remember is that mm-hmm. Merlin is feeling a way about the Apple event. Yes. A way, uh, Merlin is having a feeling about mm-hmm. the Apple event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Merlin is... Mm. We'll get it. You don't, do, you know, do you know the expression I'm talking about? It's like homespun, no. like feeling a way is, is close to what I'm getting at. It's like a no. weird... Sideways See, I, I, way I, ordinarily any of my other hosts or nominal friends, I, I would try to help. But when I try to help you, you just you just tell me I'm doing it wrong, and you just tell me what it's not. I would ordinarily uh, I would try to work you through this. I don't tell you you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Helping is we all just throw out ideas. There are no uh-huh. wrong ideas except for all the ideas that aren't the right one. Okay, okay. Uh, having you know, um, Merlin is feeling a way is having uh, a feeling. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Merlin is having a feeling about the Apple event. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty anyway, close. Yeah, it's very, some... it's very, um, it's it's difficult to pin down. Yeah, and well, I want to be clear here. I'm not, I'm, be... I'm not depressed or sad. I am just merely having a Charlie Brown moment about Apple right now. Yeah, I saw. I saw you mentioned Charlie Brown. You mentioned your tummy. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to expand on that in any way? Well, I think I feel like I should save it for the other show, but but fortunately for which, me, which show? What other oh, show? Uh, we're gonna. Oh God, today is uh, September tenth. And uh, uh, we'll be recording a do by Friday tomorrow, Wednesday. The- oh yeah, no, I'm sure you'll talk about it more then. But they're yeah. not going to be as gentle with you as I am about your feelings that you're having. Really, you feel like you're more gentle with, with stuff like that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you're practically an empath. Uh, Max is going to hear you say five words and then just go off and start talking about something else. <laughs> he's he's our Elliot. Yeah. Mm, you <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, why do they? Why do they just? They should make these more consumer friendly. They could be fifteen minutes long. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, so I, t- I talked to Dan about this this morning. Um, before you saw this is what I'm getting. At. You talked to Dan about this morning before you had seen the event. Well, right? I mean, we talked about. Oh God, this is, uh, it's so boring to talk about other podcasts on podcasts. I was telling Dan how I was meta curious. Or something like that. Meta interested in uh, what would uh, be announced by Tim Cook. So Apple did their, uh, their, you know, regular, their annual September event where they, uh, like clockwork, they announce new iPhone models or, you know, iPhone updates. What will entice us Apple fans to uh, 
ideally want to get a fancy new phone. And then part of the fun, and as I, as I said to Dan, uh, part of the fun for me is listening to stuff like Upgrade, listening to some of my friends on other shows, and trying to do the the strange like speculation, triangulation about, how do you put this? Okay, so Apple can be very opaque. I don't know if you know this. They, they can be somewhat opaque about what they're doing, and it's sometimes very difficult for us to understand what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. Now, that shouldn't matter. It's just a public company. That shouldn't matter. It kind of matters. For somebody like a, uh, like a buyer for a company or somebody who runs IT somewhere, I think of somebody like a Fraser Spears, who I think increasingly doesn't use Apple stuff. But somebody who might need to make buying decisions, like that can be very important. But let's be honest, it's fun. It is fun. You, you can, I feel like people can go a little too crazy about this for my own taste where you get into the, like, you know, leaks and stuff like that. Um, but still, it's fun. You guys do this on your other program, Accidental, your, your main podcast, Accidental Tech Podcast, which I listen to and enjoy. And, uh, you know, you guys have some fun sport with that. So I was just explaining or just, just describing to Dan how, how this year in particular, I'm unusually interested uh, in the speculation game, even on the day of, even on an hour and a half before the show. I was still kind of, turning over in my mind what Apple is up to. And uh, a bugaboo for me has been this whole Apple TV Plus thing, which for some reason has kind of been sticking in my craw uh, as an idea. And thinking about like, how is that going to be rolled out? Will it be announced? Which it was further (laughs) announced. Um, So yeah, that's the reason we talked about it before was I was just acknowledging that uh, the way I said it to Dan was today's Christmas day. Like I don't want every day to be Christmas, but I think it's entirely wholesome and normal as an Apple fan or uh, user even to be interested in, in what is announced in which way, what is not very interestingly to me, what we end up turning over in our mind uh, after the uh, keynote is over, where you kind of go, hmm, you have a think about it. You know what I mean? You have a little think about like, I wonder what that means. What do they mean when they say starts at and all that kind of stuff? And you start gathering thread about what it all really means. Why didn't they talk about iOS 13? That seems weird. Yeah. So that, that was the, that's why we talked about it before. We obviously you can't meaningfully talk about an event that hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't stop anyone. Yeah. I understand all the stuff you said. Did that point, did you have a Charlie Brown feeling yet or no? No, I don't think so. Cause one never knows what it's going to be. And again, as I said to Dan, my mind always turns back to, whatever that was, 12 years ago, whenever it was that Steve Jobs announced the iPhone. I think we can, anybody with half a, half a brain can say that's one of the great presentations, one of the great reveals on so many levels. It was a really, really good presentation. But also just the fact that, you know, how much of the actual, what the hardware would look like and how it would work was announced that day, right? That this is, that was the day that, the way that mobile phones look and work really changed. And the first time that we saw the touch interaction, like how magical that seemed. And, you know, that you could see the New York Times uh, right on your mobile phone. It seemed pretty amazing at the time. So one goes into this thinking like, wow, you always wonder how much magic they have in their pocket um, for for a given thing. But then also as somebody who is somewhat interested in the criminology, you get get to thinking. You get to thinking like, well, if they talk about this in the context of that, you know, what does that mean? Is this Meaningful, and I don't pretend that this is rational, but I think you do it too, right? You enjoy having a think about that and then seeing how it turned out and then seeing, in my case, how Jason and Mike did with the draft and how you know accurately did they predict 
um, you know, what's going to happen. No, I did not have a Charlie Brown feeling going into it. I thought this would be fun. I mean, this is a fun day. It's a little silly. You know, Tim will get up there and talk, uh, talk about, uh, oddly enough, he'll talk about how excited he is about all these products and services. He'll talk about how much we, he and Phil in particular, told us how much we will love uh, everything that they do. Just to remind us that we will love everything that they do. And uh, yeah, it's like, it can be very exciting. And then, you know, you slog through the parts that everybody's interested in their particular things. So I know you have these kinds of things, whether that's the, the file system or what have you. There are certain things you're looking for to hear how that's going to be. Like, are you going to get an always-on watch face? Are you going to get a competitive price or bundle on this uh, Apple TV thing? It's, there's no other company where I expend even a fairly small amount of attention about how they go through what they do thought-wise. But uh, this is the company I do that with. So no, I went into it thinking like this will be cool. Like I'm, I'm vaguely interested. Uh, I had been vaguely interested in the idea of a new phone because even though I love mine, my kids, my kid really needs a different phone, and I would be happy to hand her down mine. Um, she can barely keep a charge, you know, by the time that she gets home from school, and we'd like to be able to stalk her. So stuff like that. Yeah. And plus, I've had this morbid curiosity about Apple TV Plus, which looks like a garbage fire to me from where I sit, for, as a business and as a uh, creative offering. And I was interested in that. So no, I did not go in with the Charlie Brown feeling at all. It crept up on me a little bit as the thing proceeded. And then by the end, I really felt like I wanted to just walk into the sea. So why is that? It's difficult to explain why. So you want me to go first? Or are you going to talk? You're going to save this for your other program. Hey, no, I'm, we're not going to talk about the event like in detail, but I just, I'm, I'm just I'm wondering why you felt like walking into the sea. Like what is it? Broad, broad strokes. Like I'm, okay. I'm assuming right, it's not, the, right, not is... the details of the Apple TV Plus offering that is making you want to walk into the sea. Well, um, what was it? Uh, first of all, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a little strange the way it started off. And Tim made it clear that this was going to be all business. He's going to dispense with his usual customer sat slides. You know, we're not going to get the, the, the video about how great Apple retail is. We're not going to see how many apps have been downloaded and how much money that has gone to developers. That's always a fun kind of warm up. Oh, Tim, you love your operational stuff because you're the operations guy. He's going to dispense with all that. and This was going to be all business. And then what was the very, the very first, the second thing was Apple TV plus. What was the Frogger first? was the first thing. <laughs> Arcade. Yeah. So we got to see Arcade. And so Arcade was presented uh, mostly as an opportunity to guess what? Demo some games which always makes my heart sink. I don't know why. It's not, it's only partly that I don't like video games. Okay, it's largely that I don't like video games. But it's, it also just seems uh, uniquely weird and cynical to me when Apple stands up there and talks about how important video games are to them. But, you know, there's this new offering where you're going to pay a certain amount of money. I thought the price seemed about right for a family, but then we had to sit through all of these, these demos of video games. So millions of people are avoiding their work and their family to sit and watch people from a company play that company's video games. And I think, if memory serves, they did three or four of those demos, which are death. No, I don't know anyone who loves those. Do you like those? Does it vary by game? Oh, do I like what? Do you like the video game demos? Or like when they bring out the, like, here's Minecraft with a... Oh, they're, they're death. They're not... I was like, is there a game about death? You no. mean you just there? No, no one, no one likes the I think game. Edith demos. Finch, I think it's called... <laughs> I mean, like, so, so yes, I'm being cynical because no, I do not like video games. I think they're a terrible waste of time. But you, you, how do you feel when you see one of those demos? Does it make you sigh a little bit and go like, uh, you know, more killer, less filler? 
So this is this is getting to your get this is getting to your t- uh, tummy ache thing, and that like there when sections like this come up, like I wasn't interested in these game demos at all, right? I just tune out and come back when things get more interesting. Yeah, but it doesn't. It, it, it didn't seem to affect me as much. Like there were always, like you said, there are always boring sections. I'm warming. I'm warming up. Uh, okay, for, let me cut to the chase, so this does not become the whole stupid episode. At a certain at a certain point, so they got to the Apple TV stuff. And I don't. I I'm not sure how much I gleaned about like how meaningful this is in in the big landscape. It does strike me that they are not taking this. Apple Apple tells us that they're great at services, and services are a bigger and bigger piece of their pie. They care a lot, as the song says, about services. Um, I don't think their back is in it for these things. I think they've they're finding a way to bundle or package these things. I, I suspect there's been some major improvements to the way they do billing that's essentially made it possible to do these kinds of things in a way they couldn't before. So duh, why wouldn't they do it? But it wouldn't matter if it's tires or fried chicken. They don't care that much about the thing that they're making. And and I think it crept in a little bit when my good friend Tim started talking about Apple TV+. And he really busted a gut about this service and how important it was to tell these high-quality stories. It was going to be like, you know... I don't know, like he was bringing down some New Testament, a new New Testament. Like he was bringing down a third tablet that Moses just spaced. This is going to be this extremely important thing. And then it's like, okay, here's a bunch of people that you liked on TV five years ago or more. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But the whole like, the whole like, I'm, now I'm getting all Holden Caulfield more than Charlie Brown. But that whole like, I, I don't know how you felt about this. Again, you're very reasonable and you just get back to your pearl. But for me, like the whole like, oh gosh, he just... He was, it seemed like he was going to get real emotional about this, about having Oprah on TV. The whole thing seemed weird. If they really cared about this, they'd charge $10 to $15 a month and they'd make it amazing. But they're not. They're doing this weird thing where you get it when you buy a phone or it's $5 a month. Eh. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's weird. But already, okay, I'm getting a little cynical. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on. I, John Syracuse, I can't tell you the exact moment, but at, at a certain point, um, my eyes started to glaze over and I started to become a little sad. And I think it's when they were really properly getting into the they got into the iPad stuff, they eventually got into the iPhone stuff. And for some reason, this year, this presentation, this is on me, this is not on anybody else, but I just started feeling a certain existential flimsiness looking at all of this. And just the extreme amount of detail that would enable you to capture the moisture of someone in a photograph in medium light. And, and, and I, I'm the idiot because I'm sitting there saying, okay, so this thing t- takes nine, it's got, it's got uh, like machine learning and it's going to take nine photos and then you can do this and there's the other lens. And I just started, it started to just feel like blah, blah, ginger. And I started to just get a little sad. It's not, there's, I don't have a, um, I don't have, as Tom Wolf would say, I don't have a persuasive theory about the way that I felt, but I do know that at a certain point, I just basically got this feeling where I started feeling like the goose who's just like anticipating the gavage. Like I, you know, yeah, sure. sure okay, fine. Like whatever the thing is, I'll buy the thing. And they're just going on and on. And they're just like, they're jerking it so right about the nits and the billions of, and it just, ah, it put me on edge. And then it just kept going and going and it was, it kept going. And even though this was not a surpassingly long presentation by these standards, for whatever reason, this morning, I don't know. It just seemed, it made me feel bad. It made me think this is really, this is such a, an unnecessary circle jerk. 
And I'm watching it, and I'm not going to stop watching it. I'll keep watching it. And the more I watched it, the more I felt a little queasy about it. And I just thought it seemed, it just seemed weird. It just, it, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I feel the way I feel about things, but, you know, I guess it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's a, it's a phone. It's, it's do you fine. Think, do you think you, like, saw The Matrix briefly? See, what I'm trying to avoid saying, and because like, here's the easy out. The easy out is, oh, my goodness, the sc- I'm on the road to Damascus, and the scales fall from my eyes. Because apparently it's Bible night here at Reconcilable Differences. The scales fall from my eyes, and I've never seen more clearly how much I don't need or want all of this unnecessary technology that's being sold to me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm probably going to buy, buy the phone. I'll probably buy the phone. Then my kid can have my phone. And I'll be able to stalk her when she's, you know, taking public transit home from school. And that would be good. And this, the success has served me well, but, you know, thank you for your service. No, it's not that. It's, it's not as simple as, it, as, you know, oh, wow, what a bunch of BS this is. It's not that. I will continue to be interested in this stuff. I don't know why on this particular day. Maybe I did see the Matrix. I don't know which Matrix I saw. But it just felt gross. It felt gross to me. And, and then to like salt and pepper this a little bit, the grossness is, I just started really, really noticing how much they weren't persuading us that this stuff was really, really good. It was more like demanding that we agree that this is really, really good. So that I guess hopefully when you put this next to a Google Pixel or whatever that hell it is, you'll be really excited that like your moist friend staring at the sky is going to look really good. Who ne- I don't, I, I, they brought out the directors to show, oh my God, look, you can make a Hollywood movie with this. And I was instantly reminded of something. An ex-girlfriend of mine said to me once that I'll never forget. And uh, we were looking at magazines because, you know, everybody likes magazines. She said, oh, 17 Magazine. The interesting thing about 17 Magazine is that uh, the people who buy 17 Magazine are not 17. They're 13 or 14. Billionaires don't buy Billionaire Magazine. You slap the pro thing on this, and suddenly we all get so excited that, like, we're going to have this very, very high-status item. I don't know what a knit is, but apparently it just gives you so much brightness. And it just, it, <laughs> I was, eventually I was just like, who are the people in these photos? Who are the people on this stage? It was, it was, yeah, it was a little bit existential. I felt a certain emptiness. I'm not proud of this, but I felt a certain emptiness watching this as everyone was cheering, like, like all the nits. And it, I don't know. Sometimes it's really fun. Sometimes it's a little silly. And, and, uh, and today it just, uh, it made me feel like Charlie Brown a little bit. It was like that in your, in your mind's eye, I'm picturing this entire presentation as filmed through a fisheye lens, maybe with a little Dutch angle thrown in. slightly like sinister yeah like you Mm -hmm. know you know when they do a thing where someone's in a mundane situation but it starts to feel like Mm -hmm. almost threatening or strange or sinister then they switch to the fisheye lens and then they tilt the camera around and then they wave it back and forth a little bit and then they maybe get a close-up of the person's eyeball and and the bead of sweat on your temple and or even something even something as simple as like the classic which is that they've just changed to a shot where there is more where suddenly the person is not in the center, they're way off on the right or the left, or they're, you know what I mean? The classic, like somebody's about to jump into the frame Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of thing. Nothing has happened yet, but that frame has sure set us up for something scary to happen. I don't, I don't know if I see that, but that's, that's an interesting POV. And maybe, and maybe, you know, so as I've seen the matrix is like a brief glimpse of like what's underpinning all this, maybe like a moment of perspective is another thing. It feels like you did have, you know, 
mm-hmm. had kind of a moment about it. And uh, still, is, uh, all I'm trying to get at, though, the, the part where I'm, where I'm, you can hear me um, struggling to figure out what it is that I felt. What was the feeling that I felt? Well, I know that the, the feeling that I felt, I didn't actually have a stomach ache. It was more eye rolly, right? But why did I feel that way? Why did I feel that way today? And I, I'm not sure why. I think in part it's contextual. As like I spent a lot of time in the last week watching stuff with uh, Britain's Parliament, you know, uh, thinking, oh, <laughs> thinking about that can't be helping. Oh, it's so good. Uh, thinking about John Bolton uh, leaving office, like whatever it is, all these all these different kinds of things, and like it's a toxic hell stew. Well, you know, you know, it's uh, it's a real rookie move if you're very online. I think it's a real cynical rookie move to go. Hmm. What about the children in cages? I was like, okay, well. Can I just get pizza like today? Like I, I can't fix the children in cages thing. I'm sorry, you know. Or or to 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 uh, a great straw man people like to use with Apple uh, that I come very close to deploying. Uh, yeah, how about spend less time on video games and fix the remote or whatever? Right. That's the other, that's the other angle. It's none of those things. It all looks fine. I'll probably buy the phone. I don't I don't really need that watch. Uh, but it is, it is odd how now it does come down to a certain kind of materialist uh, critique, right? So you go like, I don't need any of that stuff. That's garbage. I'm not saying that. Or, oh, Zomaga, gotta have them all. Not saying that. You're right. Your, your matrix thing is probably closer than I'd like to say. Sometimes, you want, sometimes one has what feels like a moment of clarity, even if it's very uncomfortable. And I say feels like, because I don't know if it's an actual moment of clarity. I don't, it's more like a moment of eye rolling, but sometimes you just look at it and you go, well, sometimes there are stark contrasts in life. That's another one. You know, that, that's, that's like when we go downtown and we see the uh, shocking number of people sleeping on the sidewalk outside of Twitter's headquarters, not out of protest, but out of that's where they sleep. Sometimes you run into an event like that and you're kind of unavoidably, you get these two uh, matrices kind of, well, matrix in a different sense, but you get these two kind of planes of existence <laughs> smacking together and you can't help it. I don't know. What do you think? What's your diagnosis, Professor Syracuse? Why, why, why did I Charlie Brown so hard over this beautiful, beautiful phone? I, mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, sound, I feel like that your reaction uh, is explicable. Like, I can, I can imagine lots of people having similar reaction about it. They, they think the question is, why did you specifically have this reaction on this day? Because you watch these things all the time. Yeah. And maybe it's like, maybe you like you used up all of your, all of your, uh, well, your willingness to go along with it. And, or you, maybe you just had a moment today and had a weird parliament parliament, man. I left it all in the tarp, you know? Yeah. Like maybe, you know, uh, I'm sure your app will tell you, you know, when it's rainy out, you feel worse about Apple events. Like it's going to some kind of correlation, but yeah. Well, it's, I mean, like, okay, so if we did want to make this slightly about a uh, money, class, power, status thing, even slightly, which I, I'm not sure is, is the correct approach, but, but just for the sake of argument, um, there is a kind of shamefulness about all of this. There should be a certain amount of shamefulness. It's not a shamefulness we can't get over, but there, there, there is and should be a certain amount of shame about buying a $1,500 phone. I mean, I think, <laughs> probably. If you, if you feel categorically great about that, you're not allowed to sit at my lunch table. You're not conflicted enough to be my friend. If you, if you feel super, super great about that and you go, yes, of course. Also, I'm currently listening to the 30 for 30 series on Donald, Donald Sterling and his remarks and hearing about uh, his life and how he rolls. Uh, of course, this comes, you know, amidst what we learned about Jeffrey Epstein and how he was able to maintain power through all of this manipulation. And then sometimes you, you, you come across these moments and you go like, wow, I, I, don't, I don't even want to be slightly confused with that guy. 
or that guy. You know, anybody who puts on something he literally calls a white party, where all of his basketball players and all of his friends come to this dumb party in Malibu, and everybody wears white except him. Donald Sterling gets to wear black. And you're like, God, he's the kind of guy that would probably spend $1,500 on a phone. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's because it doesn't feel like it's strictly a money thing. It just, you know what it is partly. Okay, let's, let's make this a little more high level. It feels a little bit last days of Rome, to be honest. A little bit, little bit, <laughs> little bit bread and circuses. Uh, no, you don't get that at all. No, I mean, I, I, I get, I get all the things you're saying. Like it just, uh, I was, I'm just interested why why you specifically why, have why these feelings on this. Why why you and why today? Because um, I I don't think there was anything particular in this presentation as opposed to all the other presentations they've given that would I would feel like would induce that feeling more than other ones. I just think you were in a different place today when you know came out. I always kind of um, I, I I don't know if I like this, but I'm very acclimated to their. I'm going to say whatever their three act structure of how they do these things. You know, usually, mm. you know, like I say, you've got the little, you got the overture, which is Tim coming out and talking about all all of his operational things that he's proud of. Good for him. Um, and then you kind of you tend to slide into the least. I mean, obviously, the the least um, big deal, like in Act One. So you get into something like okay. Uh, iPads for education or something like that, right? You get, you get some kind of thing like a new Apple Pencil or whatever. You get a cool thing like that. And it's like, you know, it's like opening Hanukkah gifts. They they keep building up day by day, you know, the second act and so forth. And the third act, you get to the thing that everybody was really there for, you know? You've, you've sat through the opening bands and now you're ready for the headliner. And they did not do that so much this time, which was a little bit weird. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel bad about how I feel, um, which I think is important. As we all know, it's, it's it's one thing to feel bad. It's another thing to feel bad about feeling bad. I don't feel bad about the way I feel. I just feel slightly conflicted about it. And I'll explore this more on uh, on Dubai Friday. But sometimes it just really, it just it feels like a scene out of like a black exploitation movie. Like you're gonna where you're gonna go to the party. You think about a movie like Three the Hard Way, and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna go to the white guy party with the fancy bubbly drinks and like I don't know, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like being, I don't like being told how much I will enjoy something. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by SaneBox. You can learn more about SaneBox right now by visiting SaneBox.com slash differences. I bet you everybody listening right now, including you, has at least one thing that they do not like about email. I wish it was limited to one thing for me, but let's set that aside. Truth is, uh, email can be a real mess, and that's why you need to try SaneBox. It'd be nice, but it's not practical. You can't just throw away all your email. You know, you're going to hear from people. What did you do with my email? Check out my email. People love email. (sighs) You know, there's definitely important stuff in there, stuff you've got to deal with, right? We'll take that as read. One of the big problems is that all that email looks the same. Oh, it's so much email, 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 email. I'm getting the cold sweats just sitting here, you guys. So hard to know how to decipher which messages need your attention. Well, wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? Well, friends, that is what SaneBox is all about. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all that trivial stuff into different folders. Still there, still there, right, right? You can get to it. But the uh, only messages in your inbox are going to be the ones that you need, the stuff you need to do something about. Great thing is, it will work seamlessly with your current system and, importantly, with any app. 
Now, one of the best features of Sanebox is called the black hole. Oh, this is such a good feature. All you do is move any unwanted email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender ever again. Ah, blissful silence with Sanebox. You can also set up email reminders. You can snooze your email and so much more. I have been a user of Sanebox and it can be a lifesaver. Friends, listen, I used to be Merlin, man. Take my word for it. Value your time. Value your attention. You got to check out Sanebox. So here's the thing right now. Get a little more organization in your inbox. So take advantage of this. We've worked out a deal with Sanebox. You're going to get such a good, good deal. So many deals. You just go to sanebox.com slash differences today. You're going to get a two-week free trial and an extra $20 credit just because you are a valued listener of Reconcilable Differences. You don't have to enter your credit card info unless you decide to buy, so there's nothing to lose. You check it out today, get your email finally under control, go to sanebox.com slash differences. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E-S, Sanebox. Our thanks to Sanebox for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. After, you know... 10 minutes of hearing you talk about it and seeing a couple of tweets. Here's my theory of why you on this day. Well, I don't know why on this day, but what, why, what, what experiences of yours lead you up to this? And I think my, my theory is that it's not, be, it's not like that you're suddenly too cynical about stuff. I think the, the, the series of events is that historically, Oh God. Sorry, I couldn't, I hear you. Oh man! Why? Why? Why do we even have that feature on? I used to have it off. Anyway, resuming. Mm-hmm. Phone has been dealt with. Um, my theory, which certainly sounds like another word, doesn't it? Phone uh, is that <laughs> what? <sighs> sounds like another word. What is that? See, what does theory sound like? Am I getting? Am I too obscure for you? Theory. You didn't hear my phone activate? Oh. I was, I was avoiding that because I heard it was going to cut it out. <laughs> well, it's in the it, show. Anyway. It's in the show. No, yeah. You know what? It's in the show. It's in the show. That's right. Okay. So, hey, Theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it all. Why, why me? Or is that, you know, in, yeah. in, in, the, wonderful, in the wonderful novel, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, a guy says to the, to, the, to the German soldier, he says, why me? And the German soldier says, why you? Why anybody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is not my theory. Okay. Uh, what I'm thinking is that for all the past events, Apple events that I've heard you talk about on various podcasts and, and have talked to you about, I think that uh, you have been, this is hard because I'm talking about averages, more affected by past presentations than the average uh, tech nerd person, as in, Apple will pitch some idea or some presentation or some technology or something that you can do with it, whatever they're pitching that, that year. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're wanting to get some kind of effect. They want you to feel a certain way about a feature. They want you to be excited in this way. They want you to be impressed by this technical achievement. And everyone feels that to some degree. And my impression has been that historically of all our group of uh, jaded, cynical tech nerd people, you have actually been on the slightly less jaded and cynical side of the fence when it comes to these presentations. That if there is something in it that actually the pre- appeals presentations to you, or like the thing that's in the presentation, the, the both, 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 both okay. the, uh, the the thing It's more of the thing. Sometimes like they're going to really present like something. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like there's going to be something in there that we all like. Like what is your favorite thing or whatever. And I feel like you have uh, tended to be if there's a, a spectrum of cynicism, actually to the less cynical side. Uh, 
uh, of our circle of tech nerd people. Hmm. And I think over time, you being slightly left of the the center of a uh, level of cynicism has sort of gotten you to the point where you're overdue. Like it's you're overdue for a dose of all the cynicism that everyone else had to a slightly larger degree for all the past ones. And mm-hmm. then for this one thing, or for whatever reason, whatever mood you're in, it suddenly all comes landing back down on your head. That you're not actually excited as you normally about about any of this stuff. You do briefly see the matrix and you become mm-hmm. you swing hard to the right of cynicism. Now you're like, all right, I'm as I'm super jaded about this. I can't I I see too much of what you're trying to do. Nothing in it is getting me as excited as it used to. And as it compares to my past experiences, uh, this feels markedly different. Why did you swing over there? I don't have a theory of that, right. but my my theory is that actually you are usually less less cynical and and jaded about these things. I'm so I'm 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 so interested to hear you say that, and so surprised to hear you say that. That's just my impression because whenever no, I hear you talk I, about I, things, I imagine like you, I would imagine that I come off as a real tool about this stuff. Oh no! Like it was, I, I mean, here's think, what I'm saying, I mean, like, like as against say Mike Hurley, Mike Mike Hurley hasn't met an innovation in Orange that he doesn't love. He's genuinely optimistic in a way that I think is kind of actually thrilling. Somebody like Mike is genuinely optimistic and curious about whatever the next thing is. He's like he's like a he's like a little baby boy. Like it's it's I, I'm not, it's not a slam. It's more like I want to be like that. I want to be that excited to go. How will I use this? Maybe it stands out more to me because there is a certain baseline level of expectation of jadedness based on your age and experience that you're not going to be a wide-eyed babe in the woods. It's not your first rodeo. It's not your first Apple keynote, right? Not my first day. But, and, and, and I think it stands out all the more that you always, for each one of these things, do find something that you actually are excited about or impressed by or intrigued by. And right. Like it, and that stands in stark contrast to what you would expect to be like, oh yeah, ho hum, whatever. Mm-hmm. Especially since you, if you ho hum the other stuff, you're like, yeah, yada yada. But there's always like one or two things that you're super into, and that mm-hmm. it, like it stands out to me that it's actually like in some ways, Mike being, uh, you know, generically enthusiastic equally about everything makes it seem uh like there's there's not as much of a of a standout. Whereas when when you would you know be really fascinated or intrigued or excited. Even if the thing you're excited about turns out to be a dud, like, you know, we, we turns out like, you know, three weeks later, we all get the thing. It's like, Oh, the thing you're excited about is a dud in the moment though. Right. In the presentation, you're like, wow, that really got to me and spoke to me. And I'm excited about that idea of that one thing. So anyway, that's just my impression. I don't, I don't have an explanation as to why the, the, you know, the spell didn't work today and why you swung hard the other direction, <laughs> but it makes, it makes sense. I blame Brexit. If you look at, I mean, like, um, I'm, I'm frequent, I haven't read Catcher in the Rye in years, but I, 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 I relate to uh, Holden Caulfield more than I would like. Um, we all do more than we all would like. Do you feel that really? <laughs> yeah, I read it recently. I read it for the sophomore lit podcast. Oh, with, you did uh, for, for John's John show. Yeah. Oh, John okay. Well, we'll put that in notes. I'd love to hear that. Um, but you know, I, I do remember reading that as a lad and feeling like, first of all, I mainly knew it as being the book that was in uh, the guy's pocket when he assassinated John Lennon. That's how I mainly knew it. But I remember reading that. And it's, you know, again, maybe not as much as uh, my beloved Slaughterhouse-Five, but it was a book that really struck me at the right time because it it felt like such a distillation of something that I saw very much in myself and in other people. Um, the reason I'm mentioning it here, I think, is to just to state the obvious, which is that people people who are cynical and want you to know that they're cynical people who are skeptical uh people people who want to show you how much they how invulnerable they are are usually some of the most vulnerable people in some ways right the people the people who are fighting hardest to let you know um how tough they are are often that way because they have this uh 
execrable wish or desire uh, for things to be better or different than how they are. So that that part, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll definitely own. So and thank you for the note. And uh, while you were uh, explaining me, I, I think I partly figured it out, and I'd like to share it with you. Sure, go for it. Okay, it's very you rare. A breakthrough. A little bit, a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> our, our time is up. <laughs> My main man's sister. Um, okay, so um, setting aside for a moment deliberately lifestyle-oriented companies or lifestyle Veblen good brands, setting those things aside for a moment, most of the stuff we use in life, including technical stuff, um, does not come with a portfolio on who that company wants you to be. Like, I mean, maybe there was a time when buying Sony represented that because you, you know, they make great stuff that didn't like interacting with other things and everything was weird in Sony. But like, for example, when Metreon opened, uh, it, you know, it was very Sony themed. They had a whole like Sony superstore at the Metreon. This was around the time I remember Spider-Man coming out because they had a big inflatable Spider-Man. It was just like the Sony shopping center. Sony themes, Sony movies, Sony, Sony, you name it. Okay, so look at Sony. Uh, Shell Gas. Like, if you buy gas from this place rather than that place, like, are you doing that because you are emulating some portfolio of who Shell, uh, Dutch Shell, whoever wants you to be? Um, I don't know. I guess maybe you can see people arguing about chicken all the time on the internet. But here's the thing about Apple, is whether we like to admit it or not, um, and whether we choose to accept it, whether we choose to acknowledge it, Apple has had a portfolio for us for a pretty long time. You can just call it brand, but I think it goes way beyond that as against other companies. I mean, there was the Dell guy. There was the uh, those computers you could buy in a mall, gateway, those mall, mall computers in the cow box. But none of them presented quite the level of a portfolio of, of, of who this was for. Right. And so when I was a little younger, Macs were widely uh, mocked by serious computer users because it was for rich idiots and creative types. Right. That was that was always sort of the rap. But even like or especially in the iPod and into the iPhone era, there was a little bit of a port. They had a little bit of an idea about who you were supposed to be using these devices, not just in terms of like, are you the coolest guy on the bus? but like the stuff increasingly would like work together. So like the computer you use, the Macintosh computer that you used for your work and your creative expression, you know, could eventually sync up your contacts and do these, all these different kinds of things. Cut to the chase. This really hit me during the photo demos. I, can't, I realize now that I did keep thinking to myself, um, who, who, who do they think I am? Like, who do they, who do they want me to be? It's because like of all the photo stuff, I understand you choose the photos, the images, the tableau that will show off the features and be very beautiful. And some of them were very beautiful, but like there were so many pictures of moist young people staring at the sky or these, you know, over sharpened, <laughs> unsharp masked, you know, skate parks and canyons and all of this stuff. I'm like, I take pictures of my cat and funny signs. Like, I don't, I don't know who this is. I do know who this is for. I know the pro camera stuff is for people who care about cameras. But here's my question that I did find myself asking. 
So like, it, you know, that phrase I like to use sometimes, like, you know, if this turns out great, what will it look like? How will you know if this turned out great? Like if I bought all the stuff that they put out today, uh, who, who is that person? Who's the person who bought all that stuff and was excited about it? Like who's the person who's excited? Uh, and maybe, maybe you, maybe we have to bracket the idea that this is for, you know, one person. It's not, it's, it's for millions of different people with different budgets and needs, but it's just so, it's just wild to think about like, you're going to get that camera and take pictures of your racially diverse friends in beautiful lighting. And you're going to really, you're going to rush home. You're going to like watch the Reese Witherspoon thing on your costly phone on the way home. Why am I saying all this? Cause I think that might be part of it is like, I'm, I, uh, I'm not sure who this portfolio is of, and I'm not sure Apple does either. And it's just, it's kind of weird. They, they, they want, they want, me or us they want us to buy into something it's just less clear to me than ever what they want us to buy into so let's contrast that with say half a dozen years ago where i think we could say with some confidence hey guys we're over the hump we've made it over the hump the iphone is really really it's pretty darn good they care so much about privacy and security they they care about all these different things and uh, and now it uh i think it's a little bit it's a little bit confusing um I assume they care about privacy and security. They had that weird response about that iOS exploit. Oh, it just affected a few Uyghurs in China. It's no big. You know, there's a dozen Chinese sites. Don't worry. It doesn't affect you and your Instagram. You're good. We're still the best. You can trust us. I don't know, man. It just, uh, I think that's part of it is that um, it doesn't feel like they are thinking through the cohesiveness of their product line in, in a way that they did a little while back. And even though they keep improving and iterating these things in teaspoons, um, it, it doesn't feel like they're massively moving forward, apart from just saying the word services over and over. That's a rough sketch. Sorry, I talked a lot. Please, please respond. What it sounds like to me is you just uh, uh, expanding upon the, the feeling that you were having that is a more <laughs> cynical stance. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the more cynical stance, because I, I mean, at various times, you could say all those same things about all the past things. It's just that you didn't have those feelings about them at the time. But I think they were equally applicable. It just really depends on, how, you know, how it lands with you, right? How does do you do you see the matrix? Or do you just see a bunch of appealing images and, you know, like, and, and features and it, it, you don't think about the, the, exactly the questions you were asking? Like, it's like, you know, what is What's this? What's the pitch here? What's the sale? Who, who do they? Who do they want me? Who do they? Who are they encouraging me to be? Right. Or who? Who do they think you want to be? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. Is the promise that I will be that? Is the prom? Is the, or is it just simply here are a bunch of appealing images to make you uh, feel good about the product that that you know? It's just in proximity, appealing image, our product right next to the appealing thing, the oldest advertising trick in the book, right? Um, or appeal, appealing? <laughs> do, you, do you come with the car? Yeah, appealing results. We literally, you know, you know, a sunset, right? Appealing results. Will you take pictures like this? Will you go to these fabulous places? Or maybe you just maybe is simply serving serving suggestion. Yeah, maybe or you know, from a technical perspective, like you will never go to this place, but were you there and had this phone? This is the type of picture you could take. Like it's all there's a million different angles on it, but that's just you know that's that's marketing. Now the cohesion, I think, is a a point with more relevance to the particular presentation because you could say okay they've done this in the past it's like basically here's the way we get you to buy our products and also i think to be fair here's the way that we express the values that uh 
that we use to make these products. Like mm-hmm. we, we can make any product we want. What do we care about in a product? How do we decide what features to include, what features not to include, what to invest in, what not to invest in, right? And so a lot of Apple's presentation, which is both part of the pitch for you to buy, but also actually a truth is, let us express to you the values that led us to create the pro- this particular product in this way. Mm-hmm. And part of that expressing of the values is like, we love this, we love that. We imagine you doing this, we imagine you doing that. And that's why we made the thing like this. And then they br- put it out make, in front of you. Uh-huh. These, by giving uh-huh. you these wonderful tools, you'll make these wonderful tools. Yeah, I mean, that was that was their m- much more explicit pitch this time. But it's always implicit of like saying, mm-hmm. you know, why, back to the Steve Jobs thing of like, why did the original Mac have proportional fonts? Because he loved calligraphy. It's like he's mm-hmm. explaining to you, what is it about me that made me uh, be at a company that made a computer like this because we could have made a computer like that, but we didn't because we are these people. And so it's, it's sometimes it's not even what you what you might be or what you might aspire to be. Sometimes it's not just here's an appealing image in our product next to it. Sometimes it's also like oh, this is all in the mix at the same time. But mm-hmm. depending on uh, how you interpret what's coming at you, do you like I don't see the part where you're trying to tell me who you are uh, or why you made this product, and I also don't see the part where you're. Uh, you know, where you're explaining to me what I'm going to be. Maybe I see the part where you're trying to say who it's for. Like, it's all it's all kind of in the mix. And ideally, Apple doesn't want you thinking about any of this stuff, like, at this level. Yeah, a lot of the stuff stuff works, and I'll throw it right back to you, but a lot of the stuff works uh, where they'll they'll say, like, well, here's a thing. Thing is cool. Thing does thing with other thing, and then you move on to the next thing. But there's there's rarely a feeling of total continuity or even near total continuity where they fully thought through, okay, what happens if I adopt this 10 times more than your average user does? Maybe that makes me into an edge case, for example. But like th- there's that kind of stuff where you're like, you know, what if, what, if, what if I'm your worst nightmare and I become the person who is so much more into this than anybody else is, right? Is there an easy path to me getting into iCloud backup. If I get into iCloud backup, is there a pretty easy way for me to get that build and share it with my family? And then all those niggling issues of being a super fan that, you know, if this will work fine for people who don't use it much, how well will this work with the other things that you make in a way that creates, to, to use a, an unfavorable word, uh, a synergy? How, how will this product line platform and portfolio, as I say, um, become greater than the sum of its parts? Yeah, and I, I can say for like uh, me taking this presentation, which I am sure I will talk about uh, in much more detail on ATP. Uh, <laughs> but like in terms of feelings about it, yeah, I felt the same way about this as I normally feel about them, which is like I I think I have a fairly hard bedrock of cynicism that just is foundational underneath all about, these things. About, so it, about an Apple presentation, you you really think you? Yeah, no, like in terms you, of, I like mean, the, you valorized this company. You had a poster of the Mac team on your wall, this, this uh, stuff has historically been um, magical yeah. is the wrong word, but it's been something that's like, it's really important to you and seeing them right. do the right thing and do the best thing is a value for you. But, but in terms of these specific presentations, for the most part, I just let it wash over me. Like I don't, I mm-hmm. understand all the different angles on it, but it's not, you know, the, the whole thing of like when you're young, you're like, Oh, I'm too smart for advertising. It doesn't affect me like that whole thing. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of that, but like having seen so many of these presentations, I'm willing to just allow it to affect me to the to the degree that they are going to be successful. Like, okay, I will 
take what you have, what you're giving me. I will take all the angles out of it. I will take the angle about you saying who you are. I will take the angle about you trying to tell me who I might be. I will take the angle of appealing image next to product. I will take all the tech specs and just more or less let it wash over me and feel like I come out the other side uh, modified in small ways in the ways that they intended, but generally like I shake off and just, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dry again. And it's not like, <laughs> I don't have, I put it this way. I have never gone to a, a place of existential dread. Maybe I'm due. Maybe that's going to happen. Maybe one of these presentations that's going to happen. That's your but. whole life, man. How would you even know how you, that's, you're riddled with that. How would you that's, even I mean, that's partly true, that? but, but for the keynotes, it, it, like, mm-hmm. and, and, you you're know, cali- you're calibrated to, um, I'm to the sky, a, not the weather. Okay, like that's, the, <laughs> that's how I feel about the, these keynotes for the most part. Like it, it depends. Yeah. Like I certainly, I was certainly much more uh, on edge with the Mac Pro thing at WWDC for mostly stupid reasons, but they were there. Like I, I, but for for the stuff like especially, I can say especially the phone events. But you're like, but you're like a Mets fan. I mean, in that sense, where you're like, I really want. I, I, I know this isn't probably going to happen today, but I really want it to happen, and I think you guys can do it. Yeah. And, and the other thing is also for the phone events, I have the extra level of like, well, you know, I'm really into the Mac. So the phones, whatever, it's what everyone else likes. But, yeah, you know, like yeah, I'm yeah. not actually into that phones. And so it allows me that that's a, a legitimate, like not lack of interest, but I am less I, I'm less interested in phones than I think the right. average Apple uh, person is because whatever. This is what makes this is one of the things that makes you doing a show with Casey so so interesting. It, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell what Casey's super excited about, but it never, it, it's never unclear that you are, you and Marco, I think, are primarily interested in Max. Yeah. And and because the phone is the big thing, then it's mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, anyway. that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. You know, do you, um do you think they genuinely can't wait to see what we do with whatever it is? They keep saying that. They do so. say it a lot uh, right after they de- demanded that we all are going to love it. Uh, to, to, to actually take your question seriously, yeah, I think they, they uh, one of the things that motivates the people who work there is the idea that they are going to make something that someone who's not them will use to do something they couldn't have imagined. Like, I think that is actually a very big motivator for what they do. They keep saying it and it sounds silly and it's tried or whatever, but I really mm-hmm. believe that in terms of what makes you want to continue working at this company and making this kind of product and doing this thing? And I, you know, it, it's not a novel thing. Everybody who makes a thing is always excited by someone else using it or getting value from it. And especially if you make anything like a tool, you want to see other people yes. take your tool and run with Absolutely, it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I think that's totally true. It's just maybe not a great idea to keep repeating it with the exact same phrasing for years and years because mm-hmm. then people with any ounce of cynicism in them are going to be like, start to, no- start to notice a little bit. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's also just like, don't repeat yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, all reason they made the watch is, you know, for all that health stuff. So they're saving yeah, lives. Or, and also so we could digitally touch each other, but digital know, touch. We yeah, don't talk you get about pain, that anymore. Get that kid with the headphones. They're helping him. Don't be cynical about that. They're, they're, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't speak of it. The digital touch. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to look at your, uh, your top six contacts will be right there. You just hit a button. Yeah. Yeah. Just find the app that you want on this beautiful honeycomb screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've never seen so many phonies in your life. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Pingdom. You can learn more about Pingdom right now by visiting pingdom.com slash RelayFM. Friends, Pingdom is the company that makes website performance monitoring really easy because everybody loves a fast website. And right now, Pingdom, ah, they're helping so many of the sites you love to stay online. Perhaps you've heard of Netflix. Hmm? Look it up. Read a book. Amazon. Spotify. Twitter. 
BuzzFeed, Slack, just a few of the companies who trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Well, let's be honest, websites can get pretty complicated, but you can monitor any site transaction with Pingdom. Uh, you can see uh, user registrations, logins, checkouts, much more. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster does strike, God forbid, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Uh, at Pingdom, all you need is your URL and they'll take care of the rest. That's it. So right now, go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM, and you're going to get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, please use the very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, at checkout. That's going to get you a huge 30% off your first invoice. Let me throw it to you one more time. It's pingdom.com slash RelayFM, and use that offer code DIFFS for 30% off your first invoice. My goodness me. Our thanks to Pingdom for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. All right. Okay. We have time now to get to our. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just say. Oh my goodness. Forty eight minutes. We started something. I described last week in the show notes uh, for last week's episode. I know no one reads the show notes except for the people who do. Um, we brought up a thing that could turn. In, this might be the end of it tonight, or it might be a multi episode thing. Uh, John and I started talking about a topic that was uh, secret weird things that people do. Looking here at, you were interested in talking to me about my spreadsheet thing, uh, why it is I do these odd spreadsheets. But I think uh, thematically, philosophically, you're more generally interested in the human ability, the American ability. Do we? Is it even possible for us to notice a weird thing that we do? Because if we noticed it, maybe it's not that weird. I talked about my spreadsheets at your uh, suggestions. Your week this week, I want to hear. I want to well, obviously, B. I want to hear about what you consider a weird thing that you do. But A, because you're John Syracuse, I want to hear about your tortured process of trying to realize if, whether, and when you do secret weird things. You also had the the another thing that you wanted to talk about, which I'm fine to defer, but it was like, well, why do I like nice things and what I drew? That was do my I suggestion. Nice? That was my suggestion. And, and in describing, so what I said last week to you, I was trying to explain this to my lady friend tonight, how, I, and every time, every I would try to explain this, and the thing that I kept saying more than anything else was, this is not a troll, as Casey would say. I'm genuinely curious. I mean, aesthetically, so here's the challenge for me. Uh, aesthet- I understand that aesthetically, you like to have what one might call nice things, not necessarily costly things, but like you like to keep your things nice. And at this point, we'll just play that flashback where you can see the time you noticed a nearly invisible Nick in your iMac coming back from the store. It's very important your refrigerator be this certain way. The the doors aren't the same. And the classic to me, and I, I think some people misunderstood what what I said here, but I'm not saying that the spines on your paperbacks aren't cracked. I'm I'm saying from what you've shown me, the spines on your, you're probably the only person in North America who could read a three inch thick Stephen King novel and not, you would not even see that it had been opened. So my challenge was for you to explore and you can throw this away, but I still think it's a good topic. I wanted you to explore apart from the aesthetics or the potential, I don't think it's OCD, but the potential compulsiveness. What benefit do you get out of keeping stuff nice? Is it just resale value? I think not. I don't know. That was the one I tossed out. But I also want to hear about your process. Talk about whatever you want. It's your show. All right. So the uh, just to, to uh, bend the uh, 
the nice things in paperback uh, thing quickly. It is definitely a secret weird thing that somebody does because if someone was to see me reading a paperback and carefully not cracking the spine, like it looks different than people reading paperbacks. So you see if someone doesn't care about them, they just crack the thing open, they splay it out on the table. We're, they, we're not talking they, about they John reading a Harlequin romance in the tub and it breaks in half. We're talking about you don't even see a light gray line. Yeah, that's why you're trying Correct? to avoid. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this this is obviously it all dates back to when I still read paper books instead of ebooks but uh but the, the point still stands so i would definitely been then into a secret way thing people do i wouldn't been into a weird thing that i do that i don't realize is weird because i totally realize it's weird in fact uh, as we said uh, last week probably more so than other people because i do notice everyone else's books are destroyed and mine aren't but other people don't notice my books are not destroyed right because it's not a thing they're even looking for and they just look like books <laughs> they're so blessedly unaware yeah uh, and and just to be clear it's hard to read a really big paperback without breaking the spine. I wasn't always good at it. I have paperbacks that have crack creases in the spines. In particular, some of like the first books that I read, I look at the back of them now and I'm like I would I should have treated you better. I didn't know I didn't know better back mm-hmm. then. I didn't I didn't know how to not cause you damage. It's like, they it's still like, an, it's like an ex-girlfriend you didn't, didn't even know you were mean to. Yeah, exactly. I could have, but you know, the, so you can see the sort of the legacy of me learning right up to the ones that really look like absolutely brand new when I had become, you know. 10,000 hours, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll come back to this because it's yeah. a really good topic. So, so that, I'm, that's what I'm just putting in the middle. Definitely right. a secret weird thing I do. It stays on the uh, list. Something that I know about. Now, what do I derive out of it? This is... Oh, are we doing this? Yeah, I'm going to tell you what I derive. You're uh, not going to do these other oh, ones? I, you like this one? Uh, I'm, this is like two seconds. This is really... I, I have an answer. It's a simple, straightforward answer that's not satisfying. You'll love it. Okay. Um, mm. it it's going to sound reductive, but it's, it's how I think about it, and I think it is the actual answer so my my mental model my thought technology to use uh raising you may be more familiar with of lots of things that people do is that you know this is just uh, pain avoidance seeking pleasure the basic sort of the base instincts now we are complicated beings and our brains are complicated but in the end you're trying to avoid things that cause you pain uh, and seek out things that cause you pleasure, whether you know you're doing that or not, whether it's at a conscious level or, or not. Um, and one of the examples I like to give, even though it sounds awful, but I think it's a thing that I connected strongly with uh, early in life and it still rings true to me is, and I don't think lots of people think about it in this way, but is the, like, you know, the pubescent boy, pubescent heterosexual boy, like seeing a pretty girl, Right. Right when you're first getting those feelings, you're going from like, I don't know girls exist to you start getting the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. That sort of connection of like, I was, you know, six and I was wandering around, I'd look at a girl, nothing would happen, right? And now I look at a girl and something different happens in my brain. And Mm -hmm. I basically get a, we're not even talking about sexual stuff. This is before any of that, like before any of that is even working or hooked up. Just the idea that you get an amount of pleasure that seems, and especially for during puberty for boys, is out of proportion with any other feeling that you've had in the past. Maybe you really like looking at trucks, <laughs> but you never had this feeling when you looked at a truck. It's over. It, it can be very overwhelming, what, whether right. you want it to be or not. And what is actually happening is nothing. Your eyes are just falling upon a person, and you could have seen that same person last week, and nothing happened, and now something changes. And so I feel like this this experience is uh, an important thing to understand about how humans work, and that. You can get pleasure from a, a sort of a, a sensory experience thing that doesn't really make any sense if you think about it. If like if you see the matrix for a second, it's like that doesn't make 
So you're saying looking at pretty girls? I mean, makes maybe you- a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying it is this, but maybe a little bit about the way some people describe ASMR, where it's not necessarily a sexual thing, but there is something that is um, inescapably uh, real. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get, I don't quote unquote get it. I don't like get the ASMR thing. It doesn't like work for me. But p- for people who do, it's a, it's a very profound uh, feeling that they, they, they never chose to feel that way when they hear paper crinkling, but th- that is something that's undeniable. Yeah, and I, and the the thing, the reason I was bringing up like looking at pretty girls is it's a thing that continues for you know most uh, people their whole life of like looking at someone of uh, that the you know that they're attracted to will just always work, and it, we it mm-hmm. becomes sort of a background radiation of like all right, but you know whatever, it's not that big a deal. Like I'm not in puberty <laughs> anymore. It's not, the, but it's. But right. the thing is, uh, like, it's all it, getting back to the moist people in the pictures in the Apple presentation, like putting your product next to appealing images. Why are these? What is it? What's appealing about these images? We've mm-hmm. just the, we've decided that, you know, the average person will find this this landscape beautiful, like just just the basic idea of beauty. And what does that mean when I find something beautiful? It means you look at it and you feel good. Why? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel good? What is it? Is there a rational foundation for this? Oh, I feel good. So you can think, no, you can post rationalize. The bottom line is. We put this sensory input into your brain and things fire in your brain that make you feel good in a totally amorphous, completely mm-hmm. inexplicable, completely involuntary way. And with, the, with the idea in commerce or commercials, the idea being to forge that association. Like where, when you think of, when you see something about this beer, you'll think about the pretty girl in the commercial. Yeah, or But like really the challenge is what can we put in that actually is appealing to people so you have to i mean obviously you're not going to find something that appeals to literally every person mm-hmm. but like what appeals to most people do people like sunsets is a sunset beautiful yeah like that's you know one of those things yeah people tend to like sunsets they're pretty right mm-hmm. do people like pretty girls in general do people like handsome men yeah do people like cute puppies yeah mm-hmm. like the, yeah. you know it's not a hundred percent but there are certain things like that right and again it's you know you are a product of what has led your brain to be the shape that it is but in general most people who lead normal lives and they see a cute baby or a puppy or a sunset or, or a pretty person they feel good and they have no control over them feeling good and it doesn't make any sense and they just accept it and they don't think about it at all and it it works right so this is all a long-winded way of explaining you know the sort of uh, mechanized uh, inexplicable machine that is the human mind that have these inputs and you know we don't no one discusses it in this way because it sounds stupid but this is you know, that's how the, the, you know, the sausage gets made. So for me specifically, and I think a, a lot of people, some subset of people, seeing things ordered and uh, pristine mm-hmm. is a form of beauty that we appreciate more than the average person. Why does seeing a shelf full of books whose spines are not cracked make me feel better than seeing them cracked? Mm-hmm. The same. I don't know. Why do I like sunsets? It's, it's, Why it's are not, puppies It's not cute? so far from uh, from art. I mean, I, I've had some very profound, difficult to explain feelings being in front of, especially a very large painting, right? Especially when, especially when I was very into 20th century painting. I'm just telling you, man. You go to the MoMA, and there's going to be some feelings. It's if you spend some time with that stuff, it, there's a feeling. Now, what is it about that? Is it that particular? Like well, that's that's what we're getting it. What is it about that? There is mm-hmm. no what is it about that. There is no. What's it's, it's, it's just, there's something like intellectual and aesthetic about it. But it. I think all the intellectual stuff is post rationalization. It is mm-hmm. as is equally as inexplicable why I like looking at a pretty girl or a sunset. 
there is no way to actually explain it like down to first principles mm-hmm. because this is the way my brain is. Now, how did my brain get this way? Was it some formative experience? Is it genetic? I let's set that aside. All I'm saying is that my brain, the way it is, derives pleasure from seeing things that are neat, organized, and you know, I would just say beautiful, but that's like that's just circular logic, right? Undamaged or whatever. Like I derive pleasure from seeing my my books lined up on my shelves in in you know nicely arranged the way I want them. But that that could also go for like there's not a fingerprint on your TV screen, right? And that's the reverse of that. I also uh, <laughs> receive pain from seeing oh someone took one of my books, tore it in half, and shoved it back in. Yes. Oh, th- yeah. my things are not lined up because someone pushed them all in. Oh, there's a nick on the side of my thing. Somebody somebody took away all the beautiful. Right. And it, you know, why? Why do you care? Especially if it's a thing like this doesn't actually affect you. Like if one of your books is pushed in a centimeter, nothing actually happens. There is no rational explanation, just like there's no rational explanation for why you feel good when it's lined up. It just the way it is. And how much is this feeling? Is it debilitating that destroys my life? No, it's not. Like I've, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just it, like, and you see this anyway who people who keep a neat house or a neat room versus people who don't. Yeah. The people who keep it neat derive pleasure from the neatness and pain from it being messy. And the people who don't, Less so. I mean, most people like a, a neat house over a messy one, but it's all a matter of degree. So what do I derive out of keeping things nice? It makes me feel good. Like there mm-hmm. is no deeper intellectual explanation. I can rationalize all sorts of ideas, but that's the bottom you've, you've, line. You've, 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 answered, you've answered the question. I, I feel like I have something that's sort of, sort of analogous and sort of completely not. But like, and this, you know, you've, you've, we've joked about this on the show because it's a, it's a rich source of humor. But like, let's take, for example, the scissors. Or let's take, for example, <laughs> what effort is required to take a plate, to get a plate from put away to in use, right? So, and for me, I think the phrase they use in basketball is use that phrase, no look pass. It is my opinion that there are uh, no more than 50, no fewer than 20 items in one's life that should be no look. I should never have to look for the scissors. <laughs> I should be able to, if, if the room were pitch dark, God forbid, I should be able to walk up to the drawer. Now, importantly, not trip over anything that's on the floor on the way to the drawer. I should be able to open the drawer, plunge my hand in fearlessly, and know exactly, so much so that I know exactly where the scissors are down to, I know I won't poke myself when I do that. If I want to get a plate out of this thing, I shouldn't have to move coffee filters. Even if it's even at the cost of an aesthetic improvement, like that, it makes me so happy to go, I'm walking up to the drawer. I don't like being like this, John. I'm walking up to the drawer and I can hear my internal monologue. It's like, oh God, please let the scissors be there. I keep buying these scissors. I keep buying and I open the drawer and, this, and I have to look now because that's where I am in life. And the scissors are there. And I'm like, ah, that's where the scissors should be. That, that, that pleases me. And in your case, like, I think also, let's be honest, like you were going to be able to sit down and enjoy the TV that you have set up to be a certain way. You've Syracuse'd your television to be a certain way. It's all the way you'd like it. And like, it's a little disruptive to have to go interact or f- with or fix something in order to do that thing. It's, it's, you've taken away the beauty and added friction. That's, that's the, I think there's, there's an element of that to what you're doing here. Because maybe maybe that usefulness, maybe you don't need scissors uh, to open a, a bag of tortilla chips, but if you ever do want to pick up that book and look at it again, it's nice to know that it's not going to fall apart in your hands. So I think there, with both the scissors and the books, uh, part of it is also like if you can, if you want to visualize this or have like a, a video game representation of this, 
everything in your life and everything you surround yourself with and sort of the, the life you build for yourself radiates this uh, you know, like it, this is taking the reverse because th- what actually is happening is you're getting sensory input and your brain interprets it or whatever. But if you take it the other way of saying like these things are radiating pleasure and pain, having that that scissor in the right place in the drawer, having my books all lined up on my shelves, have a low level ambient radiation of pleasure. Like mm-hmm. just, you know, being in the same but just being in your house, being in your house with your stuff where you put it. Yeah, so somebody, somebody who knows I, who you could go to bed and this sounds like OCD, but I think it's not. I think that word is, that phrase is overused. So I'm avoiding that deliberately just for the record, but just knowing, for example, that your front door is locked or that your car is in the garage, not running. Like there's all kinds of stuff that's like, I know that sounds like OCD. Or that your kids are asleep in their bed. Like everyone experiences yes. this to, to some degree or another. But like the the thing that people have harder times relating. Like again, no one is saying, I don't understand how you can find sunsets beautiful. There's no deep conversation about you find sunsets beautiful or, yes. you know, like what are, are you, you don't like, you know, uh, thunderstorms. You find them frightening. I and mean, this is this deep, uh, uh, you know, uh, Talmudic investigation of why you know, uh, you're, you're afraid of, uh, you know, lions or something like there's, there's certain things we all have a shared experience of, but once you shift outside the norm a little bit, people are like, I can't understand yeah. what you could possibly getting at. Because of. I, I, I don't get that. So how can that be a thing? Right. Right. And, and the, you know, and it does shift into like, there are degrees to all of this, right? So if you derive pleasure from just walking through your house and seeing everything, you know, seeing all your books lined up on your shelves, like depending on if it's how foreign that seems to somebody that you know i don't understand that at all because i don't get any of that uh and therefore you have a pathology but mm-hmm. there is a pathology that if you keep taking that to the large extent it's like i physically can't go to sleep unless all my books are lined up right and that is where you have now it's affecting your life right mm-hmm. you know, how you got that way and how you can get yourself out of that way but like but th- there is a large range of things so i feel like if you were to see my house and the giant mess that it is, it's so very clear that uh-huh. I don't have any of those problems of going to sleep when things are not ordered. But yeah. I I choose to expend the amount of time and energy I have on a few targeted areas, and they become sort of like vague, warm radiators of pleasure feelings in my life. Mm-hmm. This just this little section of my books just, having 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 the, your windows in the place on your desktop or your your Mac that you would like them to be. Yeah, or your keys and, don't move, the and they don't move without you deciding that they move somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that before, your wallet and your keys in the bowl or yep, whatever. Like, huge. you can't, yep, you, yep, yep. You, you, neither one of us is at the point where we can't go to sleep if everything's not in this right place because we would literally never sleep because mm-hmm. we have children and <laughs> lives, right? You know, so yes. I feel like we, but it's yeah. not it's not a pathology. There's a, there's a lot of things in my life that, that, that are necessarily undone, unfinished, uh, you know, in progress or like just not where I'd like it to be. And it's not, it's not over distracting. Some kinds of things are, some kinds of things are not, but you're also describing people want to make everything about like sex and money or whatever. But, um, and I was about to say power, but what I really want to say is control. People are going to say things like, Oh, you know, fear of death or whatever. I think it's more like just, um, a bulwark against madness is a phrase that I use a lot. You've heard me use that phrase. Um, what you're describing in a lot of ways, I think is that like, I'm going to minimize well, first of all, I enjoy, I just enjoy this. As they say on Bob's Burgers, nice things are nice. Like, I like this thing because I like this thing. Like, it's a tautology. It's, it's good because it's good. Um, but then there's also just the sense of, like, I, I, there's a certain amount of, like, chaos, entropy, and destruction that you have to accept in life, whether that's your sagging jowls or your weird butt or, like, your strange career. Like, there's a certain amount of entropy that's just table stakes in life. There's other kinds of things where you're like, you know, I kind of want to keep this thing nice. 
You know, I just, this thing I want to keep nice. I've got this one pocket knife that I only want to get professionally sharpened and honed because I really, really like it. It's really well made. Yeah, it did cost a lot, but it's also, this is my little bulwark against madness. It's a little bit of my like museum against entropy. Do you know what I mean? Like this is the area where like these books get to be the way that I would like them to be. And that, that pleases me. I think the 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 uh, thought technology for a larger group of people is I don't think a lot of people conceptualize their lives and their experience in this way. I think everybody has all these things. Everybody has things that are sort of ambient pleasure radiators or ambient pain radiators to like very low level ambient pleasure and ambient pain radiators in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, someone will buy a pretty picture and put it up like a picture that they like and they'll hang it in their house. That is an ambient pleasure radiator for the life of that thing right because they picked it out and they walk past it every day and they glance at it and it's not a big deal and maybe you don't even think about it but it is actually radiating those good vibes that's why you put it there right that's yeah. why you decided to buy that thing but i think lots of people go through their life without just sort of uh without modeling it this way because it sounds so mechanized it's like well i'm I, you know, I have this amount of time and I'm going to spend this amount of energy dedicated to tending this little garden of maybe literally a garden or the garden of your your scissors or keys or wallets or book or whatever or whatever it is that, you know, we keep going up to like neatness and house stuff because that's just two things that we happen to, to be sensitive to. But mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be, I don't think people model it that way. I think they just sort of do what they do and to the point where they could find like a pipe could burst in their house and really wreck like that picture that was on their wall. And they could be like super upset and not understand part of the reason you're upset is some of your little radiators of pleasure have gone away. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't realize that like, because it comes it becomes background radiation in your life. You don't realize mm-hmm. like without all that stuff there, mm-hmm. you're all of a sudden angry. Is it because you're, is it because you're hungry? Uh, is that why you're angry? Why are you snapping at people? Is it because it's such a big deal that the pipe burst? Are you mad about, are you actually mad about the pipe? Well, like, like think about the way you get an in- injury. Like you certainly had your share with RSI stuff, but like, yeah, I think about something like uh, straining uh, like a tendon or something like an Achilles thing or like overextending or like, you know, just getting any kind of like a sub, even of a sub strain, a sprain or strain, like, you know, and, uh, and you suddenly become so acutely aware, like you didn't realize how much a a body with integrity was a uh, (laughs) ambient pleasure generator. In some well, ways. You may, maybe you don't realize how how nice it is just to be able to go for a walk, and you're like, "Oh, well, I'm healing. I don't right. understand why I feel so bad lately." Yeah, you're gonna think it's because like there's a million things like the scissors thing. I mean, it's it's that you know, it's the idea of the no look pass or the no look grab. In my case, is is just extremely. It's just satisfying to me. Like right now, I'm using this. I know you're not a fan, but I'm using the uh, the Logitech MX Master Mouse, which I like to use. I've programmed a bunch of the buttons. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me, and I enjoy using it. It does what I want it to do. And if uh, for some reason I miss my reminder that tells me to recharge it, and I turn it on and get the big red buster on screen telling me that it's not charged, th- that's not just friction. Like I, the ambient pleasure generator has gone away. Now I have to make accommodations for that. I think like to have a life that runs, you need to have this combination of the. Uh, the ambient pleasure generators in terms of like aesthetics or like, it's just, that makes it sound, see, the problem is that makes it sound so not important. 
It makes it sound so not important. Well, but that, I mean, I think there's the right. The, the reason I'm saying an ambient thing of like if you could actually see the rays being out is because it's so low level and so ambient that you d- stop thinking about it as a thing. If you ever thought about it as a thing, like you just feel like you're just living your life and you don't see the radiation. It's invisible to you, but mm-hmm. it is absolutely there. And only if you're neurotic like us do you spend time thinking about what things do I need to do? Like you start self-hacking and all that stuff like people. Depends. You know, people have different levels of introspection that they're comfortable with or engage in. Obviously, if you're super neurotic like me, you're doing it all the time and it's an obsession. All at the other end of the spectrum are people who just never think that way about their own lives, right? Mm-hmm. And who's happier? I don't know. There's a million, you know, stand-up comedians that can address this. Yeah, they wander around like they're three, like blissfully three months old. Right. And, <laughs> but, most, like... but most people are, are somewhere in the middle yeah. there where sometimes yeah, yeah. you think about that and sometimes you don't. But, I, you know, for, for me, explaining this, and I think this is to, to, to bring this back to secret weird things people do. I think not all, but a large number of secret weird things people do are actually uh, react tending to their garden of of, of uh, ambient pleasure generators and also ambient pain generators. Like like you said, like there's how much anxiety do you feel mm-hmm. when your batteries run out of your mouth? Yes, there are actual consequences that you can rationalize and explain, but different people feel different amounts of anxiety, different amounts of pain to more generalize it when something like that happens. And depending on how much pain you're going to feel, that's how much effort you're going to put in to make sure you don't feel it. And how much pleasure mm-hmm. do you feel when it's all set up? And are you super into your mouse and setting it up? Or do you like, oh, the mouse is a mouse and like, whatever. Like, that's true of every one of these little things. So a secret weird thing somebody does may be because they either d- derive larger amounts of pre- pleasure than average from this particular thing yeah. or uh, experience larger amounts of pain from average. And that can lead you, even just these ambient pleasure and pain sort of radiators can sort of curve your path in life where if left unchecked, sort of like a, a, a ship in space, but putting out, you know, sort of impulses, like a constant, very gradual acceleration over years and years, you can end up going, you know, a fraction of the speed of light. Right. And that can happen with these these ambient generators where if left to sort of radiate and you left to bask in them, especially if it's sort of in the privacy of your own home life or family or whatever, yeah. you can curve and move in strange ways. And all of a sudden you're going uh, a quarter of the speed of life in a light in a very weird direction. And suddenly you're putting your top sock in one drawer and your, you know, right sock in the bottom drawer. I don't know if the sock one actually falls in that category. I like that but one. Like, I thought that was a good one. I bet there's someone who th- does that. I'm just trying to think of the weirdest, most, but most mundane thing that is not like offensive in any way. Um, but yeah, I think. But you're right. They do. They, they, you end up. It does all sounding. It does all end up sounding like some kind of, as you say, pathology, right? So you think about something like um, I know so many people, including me, that have this. Like, there's a point in your life where you feel bad about your clothes. You feel sad that you picked. You worry that you've hurt the feelings of your shirt, like you know that kind of thing, which does sound pathological. Well, some some people are like that. I, I always hear you talk about this. And I've never. I think had a lot of people don't life. admit it. They don't. They don't admit it. Uh, no, I say I think it's very common because everyone you've said that to or have been on, they've been like, yeah, totally. They all agree with you. So I'm I'm the odd one out here. And not every not every day in a way that like makes you go back home and apologize to a blouse. But you know, but you know, when you, I love this phrase you're using, ambient pleasure and pain generators, because like you think about what is pain. Pain is like could be generalized to this slightly spiky feeling that's difficult to avoid. Like what pain in some ways is a, a spikiness that doesn't stop. You don't have agency. Yeah, I'm not, and, and I'm using, I'm not using pain like as in the actual pain. No, I'm just no, trying no, to no, think no. of a generic no. word of like good I'm and bad. About, right? Dude, I'm talking about a squeaky door. I'm talking yeah. about, I'm talking about like uh, having bought two, let's get back to coffee filters. Coffee filters that breach. These cheap ass coffee filters that <laughs> split. 
and like really again, again with the coffee. Well, that's that's yeah, <laughs> but, but more explicable because like, you need your drug hit there. But like this is there's something um, my wife and I started doing uh, really very early in our relationship. It was just this. Uh, yeah, it's, a little, it's not private. It's, it's really cool. Uh, the Tiny Life Improvement Project and the Tiny Life Improvement Project, which sounds like a form of life, ha- life hacking because it probably is, but it precedes that. Is to like notice little spiky things to notice ambient pain generators that you've just gotten used to. So like, for example, and please don't email me about this. Don't explain lubricants to me, but getting the can of WD-40 with the little straw and like squirting all the things that that's like, that is 10 minutes, 10 minutes of work, bring paper towels because it will drip, but just go and do that. Go like shoot some WD-40 and some things. It feels so good. And everything works a little bit better now. Noticing that you should probably have this kind of shelf and kind of, instead of that kind of shelf here. It's those kinds of, it's, those, it's ambient is the word. Because there are these certain kinds of things that you don't realize could be improved. There's very little, usually very little effort and very little expense involved. But it does mean noticing the ambience of the generator and then doing something to improve it. And a similar thing probably is us buying the couch. Like that's, that, it's kind of an ambient pleasure generator in the sense that, like the old one, you sit on it and you feel a little sad, right? And you're like, oh, but then you get the meta sad of like, why haven't I dealt with the couch? This has been going on for so long. And then we got the new one and everybody likes it and it's fine. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Backblaze. You can learn more about Backblaze right now by visiting backblaze.com slash Diffs. Backblaze is the unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs, and it starts at just $6 per month. No gimmicks, no add-ons. Uh, I'm a Backblaze user. See, they got these bullet points, and I'm going to tell you about these, but, but uh, I'm a Backblaze user, and boy, do I ever love it. I, I love how little I have to think about it. I have Backblaze set, scheduled. It just runs, and it puts my stuff in the cloud, and boy, has it ever saved my bacon so many times. You just go in, you say, restore this file, and you do it. I got my own encryption key. Uh, I'm a pretty lead hacker, guys, let's be honest. It backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, anything, anything that's on your Mac. It just goes straight up into the cloud. It also works with PCs, apparently. It says that here. I don't have any personal knowledge of that, but backs up my Mac real good. Now, sometimes you need to access a file on the go, and you can use the super easy uh, Backblaze mobile apps to access all your data anywhere in the world, even from your phone. They have backed up a 750 petabytes and counting. That's the equivalent of 750 million gigabytes. Jiminy Christmas, that's a lot of bytes. They really do know your stuff. If you ever have a big data disaster, whew, Backblaze can even ship you a hard drive. You guys, a hard drive with all your data on it. Once you've restored your precious documents, you just send back that hard drive for a full refund. Love this stuff. So please go back up your stuff. Don't think about backing up your stuff. Really do it. You go to backblaze.com slash diffs and you get a fully featured 15-day free trial. And, uh, you know, and let them know you heard about it from Reconcilable Differences. It's backblaze.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Do it today. Our thanks to Backblaze for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I think this is good. You've, you've, you have introduced some extremely important new thought technologies. I have all these visual... This happens all the time. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this because uh, Dr. Wave was talking about people who visualize things versus don't. Did you see that thread on Twitter? No, I didn't see that. It was something like cr- creative people. I was using Pixar as an example. Uh, 
there was like this quiz that tried to, to say how can you do you visualize things in your head when you think about them can you visualize them into what level of detail and it was this interesting study of like people at pixar you would think oh all the artists must be big visualizers but it's absolutely not true and it's like oh all the people who are not artistic must you know not be visualizers and that's also not true so it's very interesting that like there is no correlation between like what you do for a living and how how well you visualize and what you visualize but anyway mm-hmm. when i'm podcasting i am always visualizing things in my head all these sort of infographic diagrams and animations and in the video game thing i was picturing really? like 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 a like a heads up display you see like or a, like a minority no, it's, report it's an, is it entirely uh it is not ar it's vr it's it is not augmenting reality it is itself an alternate reality and what i was picturing with the video game analogy was like it, lots of video games show you like the interior of a house they always have to like sort of make it so you can see through the roof because you got to see your little people walking around in there yeah like your little sims world yeah, and there, there's very often like the actual lines radiating from things to signal that like this is an item of interest or whatever, or, mm-hmm. and, and all, sometimes they're you know giving damage. You get too close to this; it's a heat source or a cold source. You get the little spinning diamond to know if they need to go to the bathroom or do yeah, their homework. But they're <laughs> mostly thinking of the games that have like usually concentric circles radiating out for something or concentric spheres. Oh yeah, like uh, Pokemon radi- Go. Yeah, ra- radiating out for thing. And so imagine you know your house where. Based on where you're looking, different things are radiating. Oh, this is the generator? That's the generator? Different things are radiating <gasps> at you different amounts. And you the, you, the player character, can't actually see any of this radiation, but it is 100% there. And that's where I was getting with, like, curving your right. path through life. Okay. And now I'm visualizing not the house as a physical place, but the house as a, as a 3D metaphor for your life. Uh-huh. And by avoiding the thing that's radiating red over there, you start curving more and more <laughs> until until you're you're taking this very circuitous <laughs> path. It doesn't it doesn't re- it doesn't register in the moment as pain avoidance. Yeah, and you you end up taking this very curved and tortured path, and you don't understand why you're. Why, you know, how did you end up doing this secret weird thing? It's because of the of the the set of uh, ambient plane and pressure generators, which again are not actually generating. It's all in your head. It's a mm, reverse type yeah. of thing. It's like ray casting where. Uh, instead of having the sun shine rays and things, you send rays out from the camera. Oh, God, I'm I'm lost in the analogy. Anyway, this is what's actually going on. No, 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 no. This totally makes sense. It could be something. So there could be something like a squeaky step, and like you don't want to think about the squeaky step because you're like, oh God, what's involved in fixing the squeaky step? So I'll just avoid that. Well, you've just curved. You've curved a little bit around a minor pain generator. Yeah, and like, and some, and maybe you'll circle back to that. What you're advocating for is like, you know what? If you actually circle back to that and address it, it is time well spent. If you're this kind of person, if you're the kind of person that literally never notices it, you, maybe you're not going to get anything out of it. But mm. if you're one of those people who does notice it, but that it curves your life path, and you end up like taking the squiggle path for like literally years. I, d- I did a couple of those recently. Like my house is filled with them. Everywhere I look in my house, I see all the things that are wrong with it. It's not <laughs> just me, right? But yeah. one of the things yeah. is we had a we had a broken light switch that. It wasn't technically broken. It's the best kind of broken. So it was a dimmer switch. Mm-hmm. It was here when we moved in 20 years ago or whatever. It's a dimmer switch. Uh, and it's like a cheap plastic dimmer. It slides up and down. It's like a, like a little elevator. Like you, you take a little handle and you push it up and down. Um, and like the side of the plastic thing cracked off. So there's two little metal things that the plastic handle engages with and one side broke off. So if you actually want to make it slide up, you have to do it like super carefully because you're really only pushing one side of the metal thing and the other side isn't well supported. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yes. That's a drag. And and basically what happened is that we never really used the lights that those things were hooked up to anyway. If we ever needed to turn them on, no one else could do it because everyone else in the house would just go grab the handle and yank it and the handle would just come <laughs> off in their hand. And I would have to go over and quote unquote fix it, which is me carefully putting the little handle back. And eventually everyone's like, look, just don't use that light, right? Literally for 20 I feel like years. like having like one fork where mysteriously the same tine breaks off every time. Yeah, no, we have, we have a situation with silverware too. But, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, I that, know about your, your stacking yeah, problems. So that, was, yeah. so that was like that for... 
15 years, 17 years. Yeah. Uh, and it's just an accepted, an accepted feature of the house. Yep. Yep. And obviously yep. it didn't bother anyone, including me all that much. It's a l- super low level radiator. It's a type of thing that you can be like, I can just forget that even exists. I never actually forgot that it exists. And every once in a while, someone in the house would be frustrated by the fact that light doesn't work when they want to actually turn on. Because occasionally, like once or twice a year, like Christmas morning, we turn on to get maximum light for present opening in the yeah, room or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's dark on Christmas morning because when the kids wake up really early. Right. So it was there, but it's a super low level radiator. And I, I fixed it recently. Hmm. I always knew fixing it would take me two seconds. But it was yeah. so low level that it was not worth those two seconds. And it just, you know, you get one of those magical moments. Yes, like, you know what? Yes. I have the two seconds. I call, I call it a mosquito task. Like when you've got these things, I used to have a list and running list in my Renex file of like mosquito tasks. And it was all stuff like, it's so minor, but like, go, you know, dude, it's going to take you three seconds to make a Gmail filter for this. So like you get this one kind of email, it's usually like a notification email or whatever it is. And it's not spam, but it's also not real mail. And like th- making that filter so you never need to see that again. Mark has read archive automatically, don't send a spam. It's you're seriously what? Maybe one minute, but probably like eight seconds. It's that's all it takes. And now you've that will stop radiating at you. And and my my reaction to that is normally like not to so much pat myself on the back for like, oh, you finally uh, addressed the mosquito test, but <laughs> I'm shameful. also kind of <laughs> <laughs> I'm also kind of patting myself on the back for not fixing it for 17 years because mm-hmm. I feel like it shows yeah character like it, it, like that I think that like for the most part that is that shows the balance like that's the that's the correct I, I handled it in the correct way which is it never did bother me enough in those 17 years to spend even the five seconds that I knew because it wasn't an unknown I've replaced a million light switches it's not a thing that I'm you know unfamiliar with right well it's, it's also it's not it's it's rarely going to be something that makes an impact of more than a few seconds or maybe a minute like it's so easy to ignore is a strong word it's so easy to overlook the inconvenience of that even though fixing it is not that hard it's you just uh, yeah. whatever and 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 it was such a low level of inconvenience like uh, i would put it this way if i if that had bothered me a lot i would feel worse about than i do with the fact that like you left that alone for a decade or two and you were fine with that yeah. and that was the right call and also, now that you happen to have this magical moment where you had everything in place for you, you know what, I can just fix that light switch, and you did it. Part of it actually is like, uh, part of it that I knew would be involved that m- means I never, it would, the, the equation never balanced, was because I know I'd have to go down to our semi-labeled uh, breakers to find the right one. Oh, it's, I, this is the problem. It's, it, it's that linked thinking to yeah. all of those things were like, and it's not, it is partly a product of my... Oh shoot! What 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 the Pax guy call it? He had a good name for it. Um, oh no, he had the best name for this. Um, certain kind of worrying. It'll come back to me in a second. But the kind of like um, the thing where you're like, no. no, the guy for the Pax guy with anxiety wrote this really good yeah, thing, yeah. and he had I a good name for it. it. It's called Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, it's gonna drive me crazy. Ah, Pax worrying. Because now you got to think about, I got to get to the toolbox. And I know the toolbox is under that thing. To get to that thing, I'm going to have, you know what I mean? You get that that feeling. Yep. No, and, chain and worrying, I knew all the things chain in, worrying, that's it. There you go. Yeah. yeah, and I knew all the things involved. And part of it is also if you find the wrong breaker, now you like reset some electronic device that you have to deal with. And it's just, it was always the, the equation. Well, we're, we're back to my back to my old oven, where it's like, ugh, like all I really wanted was for this thing to be better. But for me to just even make, cause the hiring of somebody cause the hiring of someone who could cause it to be slightly better instead breaks it and it ruins ruins it and then that radiates ambient pain yeah 
Yeah, so the, the equation never bounced, but then one day it did because I had an extended period of time when people wouldn't be home. I knew I, there was nothing, nothing was recording on any of the TiVos. You know, I, I'd incorporate oh, right, the secondary yeah. task of labeling the breakers that I find. Smart, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all just happened to come together. And it's, I, I, it's fascinating to me and also satisfying that I didn't press that in one way or the other. To, now, to some, to lots of people, lots of people, to give an example, lots of people saw my house. I think people actually have uh, are more upset about the various pain radiators in my house than I am. And that's why being in my house is upsetting to them. You would you wouldn't think this from talking to me. Right. But mm-hmm. I have you know, I know all the things that are wrong with my house. I see all of them. You don't seem to worry but, about you seem to. You, so one thing you bring up a lot is furniture. We talk about old broken oh, yeah, furniture. All, all your my kids crap have furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. you have all kinds of layers of ah, this furniture. But I do not hear it in your voice that that is stressing you out. It's more like because what's going to happen? You're going to get like a real nice, really yeah. <laughs> nice couch, and then watch that get ruined. That's not yeah. going to be a pleasure generator. Or, or like take take peeling paint. Yeah, every every surface on my house should be repainted. <laughs> None of it. Like you like make it literally sound like such a hovel. <laughs> it is. It's gross, right? But okay. it it doesn't. It bothers me less than the average person. They are lower level pain radiators to me than they are to other people. Whereas mm-hmm. other people come into my house and like I could. Some people are like I could not live in a room that had any peeling paint. It's like, well, you can't live anywhere in this house. I'm sorry. Like, well, just like and, you could walk into a, a room and see like your somebody's okay condition books. Are not in alphabetical exactly, order right, by title right. or, or whatever, and right, and that they're they're normal books that are just like maybe even in a pile. This happens to me. You are you are not, maybe not the worst person for this, but you're nearly the worst. Where I try to send you a photograph of something where I think it's very clear what we're looking at in the photo. This is I don't post anything <laughs> well, on the internet that, anymore that, because what, of you and the, Alex, basically. Mm-hmm. What oh it's boy, a what's going on mix. back there? Is that a lawn chair? What is that? Oh, yeah, it's God. a frustrating mix because I I notice way more than the average person. But I think I care way less than the average person about most things, except for the few things that I do care about. But that makes you you're like the, you're like the typhoid Mary of tidiness. Like between you and Marco, you're like you're like two horsemen of the apocalypse who are just making people notice say, just unnecessarily. Throw this out there. Marco's house is way neater than mine. Yes, but and you, way both, you both make as you know clear. you both make people notice things they never needed to notice. Yeah, or shouldn't uh, I mean, you but, shouldn't but people, notice? People say that though. They're like, "Oh no, no, you made me notice that." I'm, ne-, but but they they forget in a day. Like, because if it's not in their it's nature, not, it's it it not actually a, it's not radiating mm-hmm. in their life. Maybe it radiates <laughs> briefly, brightly for a second, <laughs> and then just fades. Like the, like the refrigerator doors. Refrigerator doors being even people are always sending me like, "Oh, I noticed the refrigerator door," but they're yeah. gonna forget. Like they're not gonna fix them, or they maybe <laughs> think about fixing them for two seconds and they'll forget and they'll go back to their life. Like because it's not it doesn't affect them. Nope, not right? radiation. And, and the same, you know. <laughs> yep. Well done. Well done. I think you nailed it right there. We did. Yeah, we didn't get to, we didn't actually get to uh, finding weird things that I do, but we'll, we'll save that. Well, let's, let's see if people like it. If people like it, we should return to it. That was good. Yeah. And, and what I, and what I want to actually do for the next time that my, as the notes here, I was trying in between the last show and this to think of uh, secret weird things that I do yeah. and talk about them. And I think we just have to go back and forth where I'm going to be like, I like is this so, a weird so thing you've got, you've got three here. Uh, let's do that. We'll do round robin. Yeah, doing things in order. As I type doing things in order, I just could already anticipate what we're going to say about really it's important to you to do things <laughs> do things in yeah, order. You, got, you, should, you should add to your list too and we'll go back and forth about it. Uh, are right. they weird? So uh, let's through, is it a let's secret weird thing? How, how prevalent do you think it is in the, in the in larger population? And I think one thing, one here, okay, I know this is not precisely correct, but I think one way, one radiation detector to develop for yourself of like, is this a weird thing? Is like, yeah, like, is it a weird thing? But also, like, give yourself the 
one sentence or two sentence explanation for why you do it that way. And I bet if you said it out loud, it would be clear to you very quickly whether or not it's weird. I don't know if, I don't know if that rule set works. I think there's lots of normal stuff that we do that if you did that same exercise. Okay, but like me and shoot, like me and shoot trees, like I don't care about anything about how I look. I don't care anything about my clothes. Why do I maintain shoe trees? I sand them. What project am I working on for this? Sticking them in my my purple converse. Here's one. I don't want. I don't want to burn all of our things on our list. But here's one just for a teaser for for next week, or maybe we'll yeah. you know like. Okay, so mine was shoe trees. That's my teaser. What's your teaser? It's not a thing for me. This is a thing that I want people to think about before next week. Um, uh, for secret weird things that people do, and it also connects up to our uh, pleasure and pain ambient radiator things. And I want you to, I know you want to give an answer to this, but this is just an open question for the audience and we'll all think about it for next week. Uh, folding underwear. Mm-hmm. The, let's say, let's stipulate there's possible ways you can go. You could take mm-hmm. your underwear and just chuck it in a drawer without folding it, or you could take your underwear after it's been cleaned and fold it. And you fold it in half this like, way, fold in half that way. You right, could right, do right, whatever. Just the two, the two extremes of like, you yeah. either fold your underwear and put it in a drawer, or you don't fold your underwear okay. and put it in a drawer. I am going to stipulate that I think that most people fold their underwear. And I think... Uh, neither one of those approaches. Uh, I don't know what the ratios are. I'm just going to say majority folds. And I think there is, if you try to do the exercise that you just said, is an interesting exercise to say, does it actually make sense? And then the question, do most people fold their underwear? Yeah. Like, I know you were listening are like, well, I know if I fold my underwear or not, either I do or I don't. I know yeah, what I do. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you know what your family does and what, and what you think your extended family does. But think big picture. Do you think most people fold their underwear? Okay. That's, that's or the do question. You think they that's don't. the homework. Think about that. And and yeah, and and why? And like, if you do the Merlin exercise, like, well, you know, put your little intellectual, rational brain on it and try to like think of reasons. But then go back to my thing of like, hmm. is that the reason, or is that the reason your monkey brain is convincing you? Yeah, that's the you reason, might be, cutting, doesn't you even might make be cutting the ends off the ropes. Think about socks. Uh, it, it, socks about, are socks. I think are a little more explicit. Folding underwear. Well, that's that's okay, where we're going to draw. Right, think, right, about, okay, think about okay, the folding, folding underwear, underwear for next week. Okay, and we'll come back and we'll talk about Merlin's shoe trees and my other things and all sorts of stuff.